Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay, the host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. Um, for those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort worldwide. We believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having everyday conversations like we're going to have today about life with dementia, that we're going to be able to remove some of the stigmas attached to memory loss and help those live completely and fully with the disease. At our core, we believe collaboratively is the only way we're going to win that battle um, against this huge, huge disease. Um, and we know it's working. We know our efforts are, are helping out there. And that's thanks to all of our listeners. You see, you have played a really important role in getting Alzheimer's Speaks named the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's According to ShareCare and Dr. Oz, it was your likes, your clicks, your shares with your Twitter tribes, your Facebook friends, your LinkedIn colleagues, your Pinterest peeps um, that have helped spread um, our information out to the world. And we really appreciate that. And we would love, while you're sitting and listening, that you uh, go ahead and share the radio page and go to alzheimerspeaks.com and share that as well because we do more than just radio. We have a blog. We have a YouTube channel. We do Dementia Chats, which is a free, um, <clears throat> a free webinar that we do twice a month where our panelists actually are living with dementia, and they give us brilliant insights. Um, we also have another platform called Conscious Caring Resources, which is a video interview. So check us out at alzheimerspeaks.com. The other thing, when you go there, you might see a big old con pop. If you're listening and thinking, hey, i got a story to tell, I'd like to, I'd like to be on Alzheimer's Speaks, um, go ahead and click on that and give me a jingle. Um, you, know, you can shoot me an email, um, tweet to me, um, or just call me up. And I'd love to talk with you because we interview everybody who you know, has a voice. Um, and wants to be heard regarding dementia. So maybe you're living with the disease. Maybe you're caring for a loved one or have in the past. Maybe you're a researcher or a director or an author or a professional providing services. Um, we, we let everyone's voice be heard here. So feel free to reach out to me again at alzheimerspeaks.com and just go to the contact button and uh, select whatever convenient for you. Now before I introduce our guest today, um, who I'm really excited to have with us because we're going to be talking about technology. I want to um, just highlight a couple of um, giveaways here for you. One is with Fresh Books, and if you're like me and need to get organized um, with your finances, you can get a free 30-day trial by going to the URL gofreshbooks.com forward slash live. That's gofreshbooks.com forward slash live, or maybe you are just really on the go. 
you like to read, but you just don't have time to sit down and, and read that book and turn, turn things page by page, you can go to audibletrial.com uh, forward slash social. That's audibletrial.com forward slash social and download an audible book. So, you know, you can listen to it in the car if you're going for a walk or a run. Um, maybe you're just at your desk and you just want to kind of get back into reading all these great books that you're hearing about. Um, I think that that would be a, a fantastic um, route for, for you to be able to uh, to do. So um, I want to introduce uh, our guest today. His name is Peter Zimmer, and he has, um, you know, he's an innovator, and he has created businesses for a couple of decades, and he was also the primary caregiver for his mom who lived in their downstairs flat. And that's really when he started inventing something for her, trying to, you know, figure out and darn those holes that are caused by Alzheimer's disease um, and that were really tearing her electronic-powered home life apart. And um, so we're going to talk with him today. He has founded in just 2000, uh, 2015 a company called Cognitive Prosthetics, known as CogPro. And um, I think we're going to have a really interesting conversation today with Peter. So welcome. How are you, Peter? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm um, excited for our conversation, uh, very much so here today. Um, was there something you wanted to add? I'm sorry. No, I, I, I tend to do that. I run on. Oh, okay. <laughs> but. Okay. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit, if you don't mind, I always like to ask guests about their own personal experience. And um, can you tell us a little background, if you don't mind, about your, your own experience with dementia and how it's affected you and maybe your family? Sure. Um, in the mid-1980s, um, my brother and I, we both live here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, uh, became aware that our mother was having a harder and harder time living at home by herself. Uh, we arranged and my sister in Boston arranged to bring in part-time help. And mm -hmm. mom was never easy to get on with. And we we could see that something was wrong. Um, this went on for a couple of years, and my sister was making flights from Boston to western New York State, outside of Buffalo, where mom lived. And it just became clear it was getting impossible. Uh, we did some looking around. Was there a assisted living community that she could fit into that was near where she lived most of her life? Um, we couldn't find any. This is, this is going back three decades. right? Mm -hmm. um, it ended up we made the decision uh, collectively as the, the three siblings that we'd move mom here to Halifax. Um, my wife and I owned a building that had two flats. We lived in the upstairs flat. Uh, there was a tenant who was just leaving us, and we said, oh, okay, this fits. We'll move mom here. She was still quite competent. I mean, she could cook her meals, she'd phone, she'd chat. Uh, just occasionally she'd get disoriented. Mm -hmm. um, 
So in, I think it was 1989, we moved her here to Halifax and into our downstairs flat. Now at that time I was being a consultant product designer and I was also a house husband taking care of our then three-year-old daughter uh, and uh, taking care of mom. And so I was upstairs and downstairs quite a bit. And at first, things were great. Mom had her stereo, and she loved listening to classical music. She had a tape deck. She could play tapes. Um, She watched TV, um, and she phoned. Phoned Mm -hmm. me, my brother, my sister, all of that. And then it began, those pieces of her life began to come apart. Um, I learned about her phone difficulties when... One day I'd gone out for just a brief period, a quick run to the grocery store, and came back, and I found Mom's front door was ajar, standing Mm -hmm. open. And I go in, and this is the end of October, I take a look around, and her coat's on the hook in the hall, and her shoes are on the floor under her coat, and she's nowhere around. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> panic stations, right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what do I do next? What do I do first? You know, I was aware of Alzheimer's. I knew we'd had a diagnosis by that time. Um, and I knew all of the kinds of things of wandering sometimes. You know, she'd never wandered. Uh, so I, I took a, a guess and grabbed the phone and tried the emergency room first at the hospital and uh, great relief when they said, Oh yes, Mrs. Zimmer is just here. She's uh, being evaluated. We think she might've had a heart attack. Well, you know, good news, bad news. (laughs) You know, by the time I got down to the hospital, they'd arrived at a diagnosis that mom had had a panic attack and somehow in the middle of this panic attack, she had phoned, the operator okay that old thing you know when you need help you phone the operator mm-hmm. well the operator had heard this very upset elderly lady who said you know was describing that things weren't working right and her heart was racing a thousand beats a minute and you know and the operator very properly phoned the op- <laughs> the ambulance just mm-hmm. had that dispatched um so you know we got mom home and we were concerned about this, and I began sort of just spending time sitting with Mom and made a suggestion. Why didn't you phone Chris, my brother? And I watched her as she looked at the big, big letter list next to her phone, which she had been using for months, and she tried to dial him, and she'd get mixed up someplace between the fifth and the seventh digit mm-hmm. and wouldn't get through would get a phone message or would get a busy signal or a wrong number or, you know, and I watched and she got very frustrated and then I distracted her. Um, I was up in my office, which looked out over the street a few days later and I looked out and there's an ambulance pulling up at our front door again. (laughs) This time I beat it down and I talked to the guy, the paramedics and convinced them that I really was mom's caretaker and she identified me and, you know, we avoided going to the hospital that time. But it became very clear to us that mom with a 
telephone that had keypads was no longer able to use it. And at that point, we had a quick family conference and said, well, we better take it out because we can't be having the ambulance show up here two or three times a week. <laughs> you know, expensive all the way around. Mm-hmm. And so we took her phone out. And originally she she complained a bit. Um, and this is where I started to wear my inventor's hat. We had tried previously giving her a phone that had a quick quick dial buttons on it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at one right now. It's got the normal 12-button keypad, and then it's got about eight other little buttons on it with mm-hmm. spaces for labels. And she never took to those. She didn't like them. She said she would get mixed up. She wouldn't have them in her house. Yeah. You know? So... The, Today, as as we talk, um, Peter, what do you want people to kind of walk away from our conversation on? Um, you know, as we're as we're talking, what are what is the main thing that you want them to take away? Well, it's there are you know there are there were and there are increasing problems with all of these wonderful gadgets we've got in our life. You know, everything from radios and TVs and in a way more and more they seem to have um, too many remote controls too many buttons mm-hmm. right I've got three reverse three universal remote controls sitting on my coffee table right to mm-hmm. do our systems and my wife calmly asks me to take care of turning on Netflix because she gets I know that feeling. I yeah. finally have that figured out myself now, but it took a while. Yeah. You know, so so there there are all of these gadgets that are supposed to make our life easier, and the more modern models seem to have ever more features. They can do more things, and they've got more buttons. And for people who are becoming more and more confused, going into dementia, they can't cope with complicated stuff. They're not after mm-hmm. new features. Um, talking to somebody, a friend who's who has Alzheimer's, um, he said he, he hated it that his microwave no longer has a simple timer dial. Okay? He's got mm-hmm. a push button, so he has to remember what buttons to push. If it was just a, just a dial like his old one used to have, well, he could turn it sort of a bit and see if mm-hmm. it made it warm enough, right? But now he's got to remember which of the no physical feedback touch buttons is going to do the job. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's got more choices. So I guess one of the takeaways is if you're looking at things, simple is better. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I appreciated very much is in watching mom and doing more reading, um, old, old-fashioned looking things will evoke the right can evoke the right sort of gesture. You know, you have a sense that well, if you want to turn up the heat, you turn the dome thing to the right, or you push the lever on the bottom towards the right. That turns up the heat. Well, it gets to be a problem when you don't or can't pay attention to how much the heat has gone up. 
uh, watched mom do her thermostat. And she'd feel cold. And she'd get up and she'd turn up the thermostat just a little bit. And she'd sit back down. And three or four minutes later, well, the room certainly had not warmed up yet. She'd still be cold. She'd mm-hmm. have forgotten. She turned up the thermostat. She'd go back to it, and she'd turn it up another little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes she was getting it up into the excuse my Canadian into the high thirties, uh, up to eighty-five, eighty, pushing towards ninety, whatever the thermostat would go to a max. And she did it in all these little careful steps. And then she'd start to turn the heat down. And if I wasn't there to interrupt, she might get it down to five degrees or down to 40. Okay. And that's basically health-threatening cold. Mm -hmm. And again, it was a thing where we observed this, dealt with the problem of coming downstairs and finding the lower flat just baking hot. Um, leaving aside how much it was costing an extra fuel. Uh, It wasn't good for her. And sometimes we came down and it was cold. And she had no idea of what she had been doing. And we ended up putting one of those ugly, clear plastic boxes that are screwed to the wall over the thermostat. Mm -hmm. And there was a while where she was very angry and she'd shout at me about why was I stealing her thermostat? She couldn't turn up the heat. And then eventually she kind of forgot it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I felt bad. Yep. <laughs> I mean, this this was taking away something that she knew she wanted. She wanted to be warmer. She knew the thermostat would make her warmer. But she did not have the attention or the memory or sometimes I think even the eyesight to be able to see and understand how to make it the right size step. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I say I've been reading since there are some people who will, in that situation, they'll manage to move the real thermostat to an unfamiliar place and put a dummy thermostat there on the wall. Uh, It means the heat doesn't get turned up or down terribly, but it also means that whoever that person is who's trying to turn up the heat, they're cold. Mm-hmm. And they want it warmer. Very reasonable thing. You know? And the, this sort of trying to figure out how do I make things so my, how do I make, remake the gadgets so my mother can still use them the way she would like to use them, mm-hmm. but reduce it to as simple as possible, simple gestures. Well, I think it's really interesting, too, when you brought up the point of, you know, if somebody went and replaced the thermostat with something else, if nobody's around, the problem still isn't corrected and no one's right. really notified that there is a problem. And and yeah. that's a problem in and of itself. So um, you've brought up some, some great points. Um, I know, you know, the phone really kind of got you started, um, yeah. you know, with with inventing for your mom. Um, can you tell us what you've come up with and, and where you're at in the process with right. the phone system? Well, with after developing essentially what we called the radio and the and a phone that worked for mom. Okay, what I what I did, I made a phone and got some help from some retired phone technicians to hook an old-fashioned, uh, you know, the slant front. Uh, 
AT&T push-button phone. came mm-hmm. in in the 1960s, thereabouts. And I got that, so I was able to take out some keys and hook up the four central buttons and have a bar that one said Peter, one said Chris, one said Julie, and then there was a fourth bar that said operator. Well, instead of dialing the operator, it would dial me. Mm-hmm. I was the operator. Um, and this was connected to an old-fashioned 1980s era quick dialer thing. And that mm-hmm. was on a box that sat on the floor. Okay. When it came time, when this, this was done, and this was, I don't know, a couple months after after we'd taken the phone out from mom. And I had the idea it would work because it would look right and it would feel right and it would sit on her old phone table next to her wing chair where it had been for decades. Mm -hmm. Um, So I brought it down and I plugged it into the wall. I didn't say a thing to her. She was out in the kitchen making lunch. And after a little bit, I excused myself. I went back upstairs, waited a little bit, and then I phoned her. Mm-hmm. And the phone rang and rang. And, I, you know, it's an experiment. I'm hoping it works. I don't know if it'll work. <laughs> you know, cross my fingers. And then she picks up the phone and was a very uncertain Peter. And, you know, the phone had not rung in weeks. Mm-hmm. And... I said, yeah, hi, how are you doing, Mom? And she very quickly got into chatting with me. You know, nothing about nothing important, but we talked for a while, and then I said, oh, well, my daughter Allison's calling me. I've got to go, Mom, and I hung up. And then there was another stretch of waiting. Mm-hmm. And about 20 minutes later, my phone, my phone rings, and pick it up, and there's mom on the phone. Not quite sure that Peter. And I said, yeah, hi, mom. How are you doing? She said, I, I thought of something. I want, you know, and then we had a conversation. Okay. She had a phone that she used for 20 more months while the Alzheimer's was getting worse. Mm-hmm. Even over the period when she moved from our downstairs flat to an assisted living center. And let me tell you that for her and for us was the right decision. It was good that with the phone we could put it off for another, I don't know, six, eight months because mm-hmm. you know how much they cost, right? Um, but eventually it just became clear that she was needing more full-time care than than as a family what we could provide or what we could afford to provide with uh, live-in caregivers. Mm-hmm. And so we made that change, but the phone went with her. And, uh, you know, she was originally in an apartment and went down to the dining room for meals and all, and all that good stuff. And But she would phone me and say, Peter, there's some strange woman in the room and she's readjusting things. And I'd explain that, yeah, that's... You know, the the Elms has people to come in and help clean and take care. And, you know, she'd be calmed down. Mm-hmm. And it was good for her. It was good for the staff at, at the Elms. And, I, you know, I thought it was a win-win all the way around. 
eventually there was one lovely volunteer, I think her name was Bertha, who had been coming in and visiting with mom, and it was okay with Bertha if I put her home phone number on mom's phone. Mm-hmm. And mom and Bertha fairly frequently chatted. So, you know, it was like this was phone as liberation, as a restoration. And that made me feel that this is something I really wanted to do. So anyway, sort of following this, I was looking and spinning off ideas because I'm basically an inventor, a thing maker. I love designing things and solving problems, sometimes even when they're not problems. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I had ideas for her radio, which was no longer her big stereo system that had five components, 35 buttons, knobs, and dials. Uh, it was a little box that had a volume control knob on the front. It was a speaker, and the real system was out of sight, was a stack of 10 CDs that were on a random play, and an amplifier and a timer that would turn a radio station on first thing in the morning and shut it off 11.30 at night. And the volume control, and this is an important kind of piece, was I was aware if she could turn it off, she might not remember to turn it on. So I made it so she could turn it way down. Mm-hmm. And then I made it so she couldn't turn it any louder than loud enough to hear in the next room. Mm-hmm. Because her old stereo, she was managing to get it on the wrong rock and roll music station at full volume mm-hmm. before she turned on the power. <laughs> <laughs> And the floors, you know, the the her ceiling, my floor would be flapping, and I'd run down, and she'd be in a panic mm-hmm. because it was out of control, and she had no idea what to do to make it go away. So yeah, that. So I tried for four or five years to find ways to get some of these things to market. Didn't mm-hmm. happen. Uh, I started a, a business and sort of 2008 and ran it for six or seven years retired from that and I'm not finished yet (laughs) okay Um, so I went back to the old ideas and I looked around the web and looked at around the technology technology's come a long way since the early 1990s and nobody's making things that I have imagined Nobody's yet making the right kind of phones, thermostats, radios, TV remote controls that will work for people in the early to middle stages of dementia. Mm -hmm. And I said, "Um, there's a business opportunity. There's something I can do that's really worth doing. And I guess, you know, it's kind of honoring my mother. Yeah. Well, it's a huge market. And, um, you know, technology is fine, and I'm one of my 57. I should know how old I am. I lose track of that, too. Um, but, you know, I every time there's a change with my phone and, you know, the computers, the updating, it's like, you know, the old adage of don't fix it unless it's broke um, has kind of gone out the window. 
these days, right. and and we seem to change for change since. Um, anyways, for non techies, that's how it how it seems. I think to most of us out there, yeah. and I and I'm fairly tech savvy and stuff, but you know I don't want to have to remember 45 steps to turn on my TV. Um, and I know that all these buttons, you know, I'm supposed to have more access, but it's gotten more complicated to have simple access. Yeah. And and that's the piece that is lost. And, you know, as we age, um, you know, more isn't always better. Um, and and I think we, we realize that um, and understand that a little bit more. Um, you know, bigger bigger isn't always better. More isn't always better. I, th- I think um, there's a huge opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I think there's lots of people who are not aged yet, not mm-hmm. yet demented. Right? Mm-hmm. Not, not started on that at all. Who would love a really simple thermostat that worked mm-hmm. easily, you know, and wouldn't let them make some kinds of common mistakes? I mean, that that was another part of my design thing, is I had to observe my mother and doing other research as well to say, well, what kind of mistakes do people make? Mm-hmm. And they're making those kinds of mistakes out of habits. In some, some ways, I'd say it's almost like muscle memory. There's certain things you do, you you know, you turn a knob to the right to make it hotter, stove hotter, the, you know, all of those kind of things. So if there's a way to evoke that gesture, but make it come out right uh, by making certain things so they can't happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, mom couldn't misdial the phone because there were only four buttons to push. Mm-hmm. And every one of them went to a number of somebody she wanted to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that becomes a kind of simplifying principle of saying, you know, is figure out what are the problems. And mm-hmm. it's not a thing that, you know, you, mom couldn't learn how to do new stuff. That was a, a symptom of the disease, right? That was what, you know, her powers of memory and logic and attention to fine detail were just getting less and less. But the core, she wanted to listen to her classical music. And she was polite enough that if somebody came in to talk to her, she wanted to turn the volume down. And if she was sitting in the living room and her radio was in the dining room, she wanted to turn it up so she could hear it. Mm-hmm. And she just wanted her music. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's. I'm sure other people can figure out some ways to hook up a speaker to an iPod and have a playlist mm-hmm. of their dad or mom's favorite music. You know, whether that's... Uh, country and western or well now getting our ages you know uh elvis presley or rock and roll from the 60s or you know whatever it is Mm -hmm. make a playlist have a speaker find some way to put a volume control on the front of the speaker you know well you know um, it's interesting because even when my mom was in the hospital um, and we are not inventors in our family trust me um, so we just had a little CD player, um, but, you know, and my mom was a big Frank Sinatra person. And, yeah. you know, we just asked the staff at the nursing home, can you just put it on right away when she's getting up in the morning? It'll just make her 
um, happier and um, more pliable to, you know, you getting her dressed and things like that. And that was just a struggle, you know, um, for certain staff to do. Others got it, but a lot of them didn't. And, yeah. um, you know, and it's just like just put push loop so it just keeps playing, you know. Yeah. And then because she just loved that background noise. And, and I know that there's, you know, music therapists that will say, well, it's not good to have it on all the time and you're not going to get the same results. And it's just like, you know what, I have music on m- most of my day. And I'm right. doing, I think, just fine. And I think a lot of people are like that. It's just it's background noise. It might not be truly therape- uh, therapeutic um, in terms of what they do, but it's still relaxing. It's still comforting um, yeah. to people. And, um, you know, it can be turned off. But she, you know, it was like, don't fart with the volume. Don't do any of that. And she couldn't do any of those things. But even no. getting others to do it was just very difficult, too. And I I love your idea with the phone of eliminate all the other numbers because everybody pretty much has a cell phone anyways. If there's an emergency, you'll run down the hall, you'll go over to a neighbor's or do whatever if if somebody doesn't have one. But, um, you know, just to make it simple, you know, or you you contact one of your people and say, you know, call. Um, You know, we need an ambulance or whatever it is. I mean, there's lots of other things, but... I think so many times when people are trying to create something, they still have this mentality that everybody needs everything and you can't give anything up. We just have to add to it. Yeah. And so I like your simplifying, you know, mode behind developing things because there's a lot we don't need, um, you know, and that people just, it's like, just, Give me what I want. I don't. I don't need everything. You know, I'll buy a la carte. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't need the rest yeah. of the meal. I just want this portion. <laughs> you know, and um, yeah. and yet that's not uh, the general business mentality out there. Uh, no, and I, I, you know, I'm looking looking at things I've seen. You know, sort of nice iPads or tablet computers or special especially adapted for the aging uh, um, smartphones. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is very good until they get to the stage. My mother started to put things away mm-hmm. to hide them because she knew they were important and she didn't want them to get lost or misused. Mm-hmm. One day I spent about two and a half hours going through her apartment looking for her steam iron. Mm-hmm. which she had managed to tuck away, I don't quite remember, in the back of some drawer that was entirely improbable. you know. And certainly I know her remote control disappeared in the cracks on the sofa and got safely put away someplace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, And that all of these devices that are small and compact and wonderful and multifaceted, uh, I guess I began to say, Part of my design principle is what phones we will develop will either actually or apparently be plugged into the wall. So mm-hmm. you can't walk away with it. You know, they will ring and it will be a real bell ring. It won't be a synthesized beep, beep, beep or anything, you know, a melody or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It will be just an old fashioned, right feeling, right sounding, right looking telephone. Mm-hmm. And it will be 
on an expected place or mounted on the wall. And, you know, when it rings, the person will come to the phone. They don't need to have the phone with them. Even if they, you know, five years or three years ago, they made use of such a phone. At some point, it's going to become a mysterious object because their memory and habits using it will not be as deep as they are with the old-fashioned phone. Mm-hmm. So some some way I'm saying is in designing for this, for the dementia user, is we really have to be looking to evoke kind of iconic objects and deeply habitual actions. You know, I'm saying that... that that's one of the criteria to look if you're if you're trying to find a good phone. Look mm-hmm. for one that is as familiar as possible. You know, it's not, and it may be a. There may be some phones out there that are fairly good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're worth it, trying. It's it's very interesting. Um, you know that whole that whole concept, and I I think you're right with that. Um, where exactly are you are you at with your company, um, Cognitive um, Prosthetics? Um, um, are, okay, CogPro is right now at. We're we're looking and sharing our knowledge, and want to hear from people about their problems with all sorts of technology. We've got uh, we're pre-production, even pre-prototype. We've got some design set. We know. Very probably, we're going to be our first product will be a thermostat, mm-hmm. and it will be a thermostat that will let people turn up their heat safely a little bit at a, at a time and never too far, either high or low. Mm-hmm. It will be programmable by caregivers remotely. They won't have to mm-hmm. be at the thermostat. They'll be doing it through a computer or maybe through a call center. And so they'll, you know, if they think mom's heat should be a couple degrees warmer all the time, they can call up the call center, and the call center will make the adjustment. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what modern technology lets us do. But, you know, the people who are going to be calling wanting that set are going to be very likely not-so-young adult children, mm-hmm. or they might be a spouse, or they might be a sibling, uh, you know. And I want to make what they have to do to set the thermostat as easy as possible also. Mm-hmm. They're, they're really, the caregivers are really going to be the people who are going to be the customers for CogPro. Mm-hmm. They're going to be making the decision. It won't be my mom saying, oh, I need to, uh, you know, I need to get this kind of a phone. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just having problems with her phone, and it's up to the caregivers to find solutions. Okay, well that makes that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think uh, I like that idea of, of being able to have the remote adjustment because even then you could do, you could have uh, with the thermostat, you know, the person to call just period yeah. that it needs adjusting you know, like you did on the phone, and instead yeah. of having four options, maybe, you know, you have one or two, 
in case you can't get a hold of somebody um, right. You know, right away with that. Um, interesting. Any idea of time frame? Uh, you know, I have no idea what the process is to create time. Um, what, what I'd love to do is is a year from now, you call me back and we're talking about things that are on the market, mm-hmm. at, at least for early adopters. You know, as, mm-hmm. as, as everything goes, we'll get some early prototypes and we'll test them with some users and we'll discover the earth. We'll learn that mm-hmm. there are things we didn't do right the first time. And we'll fix it up, and we'll go through a second and third. At some point, we're going to say, okay, we're ready to have a 1,000 of these manufactured. Mm-hmm. And we'll tell our our community, that is whoever's subscribed to CogPro News, and we'll tell people like you and others about this, and we'll fill those orders, and then we'll gain a little more experience and improve it a bit more. And then we'll hopefully have something that's really good and solid. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not going to happen now. Um, I would like people to join our email list for CogPro News, and I'm very open to having people ask very specific questions. You know, what do I do about this situation? And I'd love to have people tell me about the technologies that they see that are problems. Because I want to be a problem solver. And yeah, I'm not going to solve all of them right away. But if we begin to have success and traction, well, then we'll get on to more and more of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got dreams of doing a microwave that's as easy to use as a good quality kitchen toaster. Mm-hmm. You drop something in and it comes back out and it's warm. And no, it won't cause sparks. If you have something with foil, it will detect that there's foil and it won't turn on. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a TV remote control that's actually mounted on the TV and it's a rotary knob. And you flip the knob around and you've got maybe five channels or three channels. And it goes from one to the other to the other. And so the user has to actually get up out of their chair and move a little bit. They don't really need a remote control. In fact, the remote control is historically a brand new alien device. Mm-hmm. So maybe what's not, maybe a, a TV without a remote control. You know, going back to my childhood, right? Mm-hmm. You got a rotary dial for the what channel you're watching, you've got a volume control on off. Okay. And that's there on the front. And maybe what you're watching are part of 40 hours of recorded uh, Grand Slam tennis. That's what my mother loved watching. Mm -hmm. And she would not have cared if it was five years out of date. She would love to watch Martina Navratilova. Mm -hmm. Whether or not she was still playing you know it was what it was the content she wanted she would love to watch symphony concerts again it didn't have to be live these could be built-in recordings uh-huh. so okay. trying trying to deliver what it was that she wanted was very important now, i want to tell you one little one little story about my mom she was at the elms now Getting getting very 
near the end. She had actually stopped speaking for, according to the staff, for at least six or eight months. But the staff loved them. They were still in the day room where mom was sitting. They would still play her music cassettes on a little stereo up near where she was. And this was sort of a family get-together, and we were visiting Mom, but we were also talking to the staff. And one of us said, you know, do you think Mom still notices her music? And, you know, as I said, Mom had not said a word to anybody for months. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden she leans forward in her chair and looks straight at us and says very fiercely, yes! And we just about fell over. And then she sat back and was gone. That was the last word I think she ever spoke. But it was somehow the music to her was such a deep part of her life. And she was still there to hear that question, which maybe her mind framed, you know, could we turn her music off? Uh, so she answered. She spoke out of that depth. And, uh, you know, I still sh- shake a bit thinking about that. Mm-hmm. It was it was marvelous and, and wonderful. Wow. So. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Now, you, you wrote an article about um, Jeeves and Nurse Ratchet. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Um Way back, I I began to think, what's my model? What am I trying to do with these things? And I decided, well, a butler is the right thing. And then I remembered reading about Jeeves. Jeeves the butler, Jeeves the valet. He took care of his owner, not his owner, his master, who employed him, uh, Bertie. Bertie was a social butterfly. He didn't pay attention to the world around him. He kept getting into messes. And Jeeves was there to very subtly but very surely rescue Bertie from the situations he got himself into. Well, the uh, the author of the Jeeves and Bertie books, um, uh, P.G. Woodhouse, I think wrote 20 or 30 of them over the years. Comic things, right? Anyway, mm-hmm. so Jeeves was was the image of the good butler. Um, talking to friends, they were saying, "Well, Carson on Downtown Downton Abbey is also this kind of good butler, right? Mm-hmm. The behind the scene guys who is smart and savvy and knows the world and takes care of problems so that the people there that he's working for don't have to." So that became one part of the thing. Um, Going back into the, what was it, 70s, I think, um, Ken Kesey wrote a book called um, um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And that became, he created the character Nurse Ratchet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nurse Ratchet was a power freak. She was awful. She just wanted to run everybody and completely control them. And she was in charge and, you know, had all the power of sending people for lobotomies and all of that. 
And I, I began to spin this through and say, okay, what's the story? Is there a story between the approaches? The difference between Jeeves and Nurse Ratchet is Jeeves cares for who he's taking care of. Mm-hmm. Nurse Ratchet cares for herself and her rules and maybe the people who are paying her bills, but nothing else. Mm-hmm. And everybody else has to obey her rules. Well, I think a lot of technology is like Nurse Ratchet. It says, you got to obey the rules, and gee, we don't mind if you get all screwed up in the dozen steps it takes you to configure this app or, you know, th- that computer or this telephone. You know, oh, then, you know, we've got all these wonderful features. You know, you'll be happy. Well, not so much. Jeeves, on the other hand, says, I want to figure out where you make mistakes and make them so that they're not so serious. I want to figure out how to make you get what you want to have, even when you're not quite sure how to get it. And so, yeah, I, I wrote an article and people have read it and said, oh, wonderful. And other people have read it and said, oh, too long, too many words. But anyway, it's available through my web, through our company website. Okay. Um, and that's cogpro.ca. It's short and simple, and there are links on the on the homepage. And there's a simple form there if people want to get the CogPro news. So that okay. would be good. Um, and I did put your contact information on the um, on your uh, show page here too, and on the blog. So we've got your okay. written address, um, we've got your email addresses, we've got a direct link to the Jeeves versus Ratchet article. And um, and then also you highly recommend a a website called, is it um, Tech Enhanced Life? Tech Enhanced Life, uh, yeah, they were the the ones who published my Jeeves article. They've done a very innovative thing. They've got one of the things that they do is they've got a panel of older people who become kind of a consumer's report from the other side of 60 or 70. They try out all the different gadgets, the pill dispensers and um, canes and assists from getting in and out of the car, and they give very candid opinions about them. I mean, they're they're doing that kind of consumer's report research to say, gee, there are all these tools out there, some of them very high-tech, you know, online medical tracking apps, and some of them are very much low-tech, like a good can opener or a good mm-hmm. device for unscrewing jar lids. And they have these they have these groups of users who come together and they sit and talk and you can listen to their conversations as they go through it and then they'll make recommendations and there'll be links to some of these devices. Mm-hmm. So I I just think it's a very interesting valuable kind of approach. It's saying let's let's let the real users begin to speak for themselves. Sure. Let's not turn it over to the uh, twenty, thirty, maybe forty-year-old young wizards who are building all the apps and business plans and all of this, going to make millions off of taking care of us old folks in ways that we can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, frankly, as I'm, I'm well along that track. Yeah. I mean, CogPro is the second business I've started after I've started drawing the uh, uh, Canada's old age pension. <laughs> so, 
So okay. it, gives, it gives you a kind of a framework of where I'm, I'm at. Well, great. Well, Peter, I really appreciate your time today and, um, you know, your, your thought, sharing your thought process in terms of what needs to be changed and uh, the road you're traveling down here. And I, and I hope in a year that uh, you'll have your, your thermostat up and running and maybe even a phone system and, and radio I would love to well. get the phone is the phone is my passion. Mm-hmm. The thermostat is the easier one to get started. Okay. Well, that's... The phone is the important one because that, let me tell you, is community. Yep. It's community for people to be able to call and be called. Sure, sure. And that—that's—that's that's its real function. And when people lose that, they've lost a tremendous amount. Okay. I I agree. Again, you can reach Peter by going to www.cogpro.ca. That's cogpro.ca. And um, feel free to reach out to him uh, if you've got some ideas or maybe you want to be an investor uh, in in his program. Um, everyone's always looking for funding, so I, I know you didn't ask me to say that. So if I'm out of line, just, <laughs> just no, that's, you want to do it on your that's own. fine. <laughs> there, but um, again, thank you for your time, and please, please keep Alzheimer's Speaks in the loop with your adventures here in the future. Okay, I, Lori, I certainly will. I think your program's great and a great service, and I'm slowly making my way through your library of past broadcasts. Good stuff. Keep up the work. Wonderful. I plan to. Thank you. Uh, For those of you that are new to the Alive and Social Network, you might want to check out Apples to Apples on Sunday night. Again, everything is podcast, so you can go back and listen. Um, But Scott and Drew Applebaum are a father and son team who are pretty interesting to listen to, and they discuss a lot of sports. And uh, you'll find out if if, a father always knows best or if uh, his son beats him out sometimes. Um, as far as Alzheimer's Speaks goes, our next radio show will be this Thursday, August 8th, and we're going to be talking um, regarding a new concept called uh, sensory chairs. Really excited to, uh, to talk about that. And um, our last radio show, um, we, had, uh, we, we had a discussion about the tightrope of sanity, caring for a parent with dementia. We also had a show called the detoxing of the caregivers, and uh, one called Calmer Waters, the Caregiver Journey Through Alzheimer's. So feel free to uh, go back, and uh, again, you can go back as far as you want with our shows. We've been doing this for years now, and listen in. On the um, 26th of December, we had our dementia chat, and you can see that video, which is a live panelist of uh, you know people living with dementia, and we discussed the decision-making process and how that changes as the disease progresses. We also talked about driving and when and how does one decide to stop driving, and one of our panelists had just... Uh, sold her car and given up her keys. And so we talk a little bit about that. The next Dementia Chats will be live on August 9th at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, 9 Mountain, 8 Pacific, and 4 o'clock if you're over in London. 
Our last Conscious Caring Resource uh, interview was with Vincent Gargle, and he is uh, with the Alzheimer's Music Fest. If you are down in the Atlanta area, check out Alzheimer's Music Fest. They're having their big festival on the 6th. I have a conflict, so I'm not going to be able to be there. And our next uh, Conscious Caring Resource interview is going to be with Scott Sheppen, who is the co-founder of uh, Caregiving Answers and also the co-founder of Senior Providers Network. Um, I will be in Iowa uh, coming up uh, August 10th. If you are around, I'd love to see you. We are going to be doing a free screening of His Neighbor Phil, which will be at the Mind Frame Theaters in Dubuque, Iowa. And um, you can go to our homepage to the Dementia Summit and register for uh, that program, which will be August 11th as well. Um, want to give a shout out to the Caregiver Alert Center. Um, people are always worried about somebody wandering off. And you heard, even when we talked with Peter Zimmerman, his story of his own mom who had wandered off and um, ended up uh, being at the hospital, uh, called for help, I should say. She didn't really truly wander off, but. Um, you know, it's one of those disappearing acts that sometimes can happen uh, with someone with dementia. So look forward to uh, chatting with you on Thursday the 4th. In the meantime, uh, don't forget to sign up at Alzheimer's Speaks and become a member where you can get access to our free tools. Uh, one of them that people really like to grab is called Your Memory Chip that teaches you, are they safe, are they happy, are they pain-free? Have a great week, everyone. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.